Chara Supply Chain. Highlighting and showcasing solutions for the most complex challenges facing the industry in 21st century by our team of subject matter experts and mentors. Broadcasting every week all year round, we will present the most up-to-date series of podcasts and webinars. Hello and welcome to another a new episode of Vichara Supply Chain. Uh, this is Norhadi House and I'm joined by our special guest today, uh, Pedro Caceres. He's supply chain expert and CEO at Dust Cultural Manufacturing. Hi there, Pedro. How are you doing? I'm so excited to have you on the show. Hi, Nurhadi. Um, good talking to you again. Uh, I'm doing really well. I hope you and all the listeners are also doing very well too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so in today's episode, I and Pedro will be talking about a very interesting topic. It is uh, homeostatic value chain. It's kind of value chains models that offers new approach, uh, new perspective, something like that. But uh, Pedro, before we get started, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and your professional background. Sure. So um, I am a, an American business executive. I was actually born in Spain. I hold a degree of master's science in mechanical and industrial engineering, as well as business degree. And I've had the luck and honor to work for great corporations in the USA, such as Hasbro, Newell, and now uh, PetMate. Um, through my professional life, I've had the responsibilities to lead and execute operational and digital transformations, which has led me to research deeper into the world of global value chains. And I came up with um, this idea of the homeostatic supply chains. Um, awesome. Okay, so Pedro... Uh, this terminology of homeostatic value chain is something new to me, and I'm quite sure it's new to other listeners as well. So what does it mean exactly? Is there a new framework that differs from the traditional approach? Yes, yeah, a very interesting idea. Um, I like to find simple models for business that actually are based on um, nature, or based on existing um, models that exist in the universe. Mm -hmm. So I've always been amazed by how um, biological systems like our own body can react to external or internal stimuli to bring all the life vitals back to a fairly stable condition. If you have uh, high temperature, sweat will bring you down. So our systems automatically trigger counteracting and opposing feedback to balance our body temperature, for instance, right? Yeah. So the question I always try to answer is if supply chains could behave in that way, if they could be self-directed and self-correcting, self-balancing, self-adjusting. And that is the process that has the, the name of homeostasis, which is a, a Greek name for this. I couldn't come up with an English way of making it a, an easier word. Mm -hmm. So at this time, it's still homeostatic supply chain. But the idea is that supply chain that receives the impact internally and externally um, should have, in a way, uh, methods 
to auto adjust and auto correct and always stay within boundaries. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So could you please elaborate on how we can use this value chains model to respond to the challenge in recent supply chain, where you know there is has been a lot of uncertainty, lots of uh, complexity and also ambiguity in various aspects of supply chain management? Yeah, nowadays, I think many scholars and many people are talking again about supply chain resiliency. And that word is, is coming, is a way actually uh, that approaches the homeostatic, but it's not exactly the same. They propose a specific preventive or corrective strategies to avoid the supply chain disruption, but they don't, they don't propose how to uh, react to the disruption. The strategies to avoid the supply chain and, and increase the resiliency that you can see now written everywhere is the multi-sourcing. Don't have one source of product. Um, the near-shoring, just coming back from uh, sending every manufacturing to Asia back to the US or whatever country, um, the manufacturing network diversification, having more uh, vendors around that, that you can just to, uh, just move from one another, inventory buffers. Uh, I think that the, the world is overstocked today by, by significant amount of, of money. Capacity buffers are uh, overinvesting because they don't trust that uh, they can meet the demand or uh, ecosystem partnerships of a group of companies that come together they, to decide how to help each other. Um, rationalization of SKUs, simplification of business. So these are all very good preventive measures. They will help probably avoid some of the problems uh, that will come eventually into the supply chain. Uh, but these, meth these methods and measures are what I call COVID era. My concern is that these strategies will move us from what it was a static, rigid kind of system to address um, supply chain possible disruption, not actual disruptions, yeah. to a new static, to a new static and, and more flexible system, but both are static. So for me, the idea that traditional deterministic solutions will work under any internal or external circumstances is just plain wrong. If there is something that we all should have learned in the past two years, is that everything in business is high volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. One business model, however flexible that building model might be, can't maintain optimal performance unless it can self-adjust and self-balance towards the goal of minimizing risk and maximizing performance to acceptable levels constantly, right? And not in a preventive way, but always also in, in a uh, response way to, to uh, external impacts. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And Pedro, how do you see the role of technological in investments such as the IoT or Internet of Things, smart factories, integrated cloud system, and others in improving supply chains? Um, just where the, the homeostasis is, is better defined because homeostasis in supply chain must be based on, on the concept of sensing and responding. Uh, and, and those are very, very important concepts. Now, I think more than resiliency. Resiliency is about 
you hit me, but I don't move because I'm able to take the hit. But sensing and responding is more flexible. It's about what is happening and how do I adjust to that to take a benefit, actually, make a, a threat or, or a problem be a, an incredible opportunity for business, no? So sensing and responding has to be in a global neural framework of people, process, data, and systems. Uh, only fully interconnected fabrics so supply chain agents, both physically and digitally, um, can enable implementation of supply chain sensors and responses. So you need an end-to-end -end integrated business planning. You need, it has to be with integrated digital twins from vendor, vendors to customers, customer. You need to have the, the cyber physical systems to connect the smart factories and warehouses to that fabric. You have to be able to support horizontally and vertically all integration of cloud-based systems. And then you need to have that on top of an internet of things and internet of people. So, and, and all these manage with all available resources of human knowledge and experience combined with artificial intelligence. So the technology exists to be able to create this fabric and the technology exists to be able to build uh, the way of, of how uh, um, understand the KPI and sensors that will trigger automatic responses by the supply chain. It's, it's just a question of, of having the, uh, the, the willingness and the ability and the knowledge and, and the money just to go forward and, and implement these things. Okay, Pedro, I think we can wrap things up this conversation, but before I do that, is there any final thoughts that you would love to share with the listeners here? Yeah, maybe a couple ideas. I think the main constraint for the implementation of these technologies, that as I said, they already exist in the real world, is a lack of knowledge and experience by industry in general. And, and mainly I would say by leadership in companies that used to traditional uh, models of, of business that cannot just, just move, move forward, right? I'm starting to think that there are pre-COVID CEOs and there will be post-COVID CEOs that will behave in a very different way. So I think everybody should start talking, sharing and learning around these things. And, and, and understand what a digital twin is and how it gets implemented and how you build uh, sensing and responding on top of the digital twin. And, and all those things are, are just things that can be experienced and implemented in real business as I have done. So my, my, my comment is, and my, I would say the last thing I want everybody to remember is that you can never separate the physical world and its digital twin. You, you can't. So whenever designing and implementing a supply chain, you have to be able to see the supply chain digitally and simulate everything that eventually happens in the physical world. Mm -hmm. So that would be my last thought to share with, uh, with everybody. This is not about moving product from point A to point B. I think humans, we have very good ways to do that with disruptions and everything, but we know how to do that. I think is a decision making that goes on top of those things that um, just really develop performance and eliminate risks um, for um, impact of disruptions that might come and be prevented and also for impact of disruption that happens to you in a real life. <music>
At Vichara Supply Chain, we are committed to driving global perspective to embrace technological adaptation in improving process efficiencies. Don't forget to subscribe, like and share Vichara Supply Chain and stay tuned for the latest updates. To learn more, visit our website www.vicharasupplychain.com. Thank you for listening to us. We look forward to seeing you at our next episode.